She's one of the most recognizable people in the country. Kellyanne Conway served as senior counselor to President Donald Trump while raising her four children and juggling her home responsibilities. Her memoir, Here's the Deal, is so jam-packed that we're devoting two podcasts to the book and to our own personal conversation with Kellyanne Conway. Moms, you will be inspired. Welcome to the Moms for America podcast. Each week, we introduce you to special guests who share their personal stories and advice on how to build a strong foundation of faith, family, and freedom in their home, community, and country. Hi, moms. I'm Debbie Curlitis, your host, and this is the Moms for America podcast, a show inspiring, encouraging, and educating moms and their journey through motherhood. All right, well, we wanna invite you to subscribe, like, share our podcast. Um, We also want you to let all your mama friends know about this upcoming podcast. This is going to be a great episode. I'm so excited. Also, if you have any ideas or uh, suggestions or guests that you'd like to see on the show, would you go ahead and please email me at podcast at momsforamerica.net. Again, you can reach me at podcast at momsforamerica.net. So love to hear your suggestions. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit quickly on the top of the show about Moms for America and invite you to join our movement. We are moms just like us, uniting all across the country to fight for faith, family, freedom, and the Constitution. So I want to invite you to go ahead and check us out at momsforamerica.us. Again, our website is momsforamerica.us. So please stop by and check us out. Well, I am so excited to introduce our our guest today. Um, I'm sure you all know Kelly Ann Conway. She has been in the media. Um, For many of us, she is quite a hero. She's a political strategist, a consultant, a political expert, a sought after media commentator, and the author of her new memoir, Here's the Deal. Kelly Ann is the first woman to successfully lead a presidential election campaign and then When Donald Trump became the 45th president of the United States, she served as senior counsel and advisor to the president. So ladies, mamas, grab a cup of coffee because this is gonna be a great episode as we chat with Kellyanne. Let's welcome this amazing mama to the podcast. Hello, Kellyanne. Oh, hello. Thank you so much for having me, Deb. It's really humbled to be here for Moms for America. Well, we love all the moms and we love mom stories just like yours because everybody's right. Everybody's in a different season. Everyone has a different background. Everyone has a different calling. So real quickly, um, I know a lot of our moms know about your family, your kids, but you're a mama of four. Can you tell us a little bit about your tribe there? Yes. Thank you so much for asking. I have four school-age children. George and Claudia are twins who are 17. Going into their senior year of high school, Charlotte is going into her freshman year of high school in the fall. She's 14. And Vanessa, not so much our baby anymore, but always our baby. She'll be entering the seventh grade. She's 12. So we're really in the thick of it. And I just want to honestly tell all the moms out there how much I love you and I respect you. And we all know we are the hands that rock the cradle. We are the centrifugal force in our families. And we would have it no other way. I write in my book, my new book, Here's the Deal, I write, Deb, so much about the way I was raised by four Italian women and the four kids I'm raising. And the one thing I find is too often women are told, You're, are you balancing work and family? Are you balancing right. with your children's balance? And the balance always makes it almost seem like women are 
in their husband's sweatshirts with baby vomit all over them and not able to get their stuff together. I look at us instead as the fulcrum. And I want the moms out there to know you are the fulcrum. You are the steady mount uh, when the seesaw of life is all around you. Whether sure you're is. inside the home, whether you're inside the home and outside the home, mm-hmm. um, who are honestly the leaders of this nation. And I think without being a mom of four, I certainly wouldn't have been able to do such a great job uh, right. for President Trump. And without him being a wonderful girl boss to moms <laughs> in the White House, I certainly couldn't have taken that job, let alone had it for a long time. Deb, I, I, I tell the story last night, I tell the story in the book about looking up at a meeting at about 8.20 a.m. one day, call it a Tuesday or Wednesday. And I looked around the 12 or 13 people around the table in the Roosevelt room and I said, wow, um, Ivanka Trump, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Mercedes Schlapp, Brooke Rollins, and me, between the five of us, we have 19 children, mm. 12 quarters, seven sons. At the time, those kids were ages two through 16. And I thought- That's a lot else, of mama power. Else could, <laughs> these five moms of school-age children have the highest ranking position in the in the company, if you will, in the White House, in the organization, and be able to do that. And in right. Donald Trump's White House, we did it. And we did it with a plum and we did it with his support. Real quickly, I want to I get into all this, but you did say something interesting and you kind of teased it here a little bit, that you were raised by a, a, an interesting home, right? And by all means, you should have been a liberal feminist Democrat. Tell the, tell the, tell the moms a little bit about your background. So I'm an only child of a single mom. My mom, Diane, had me at barely 23 and was divorced by 26. We were left with no child support, no alimony in the early 1970s. Really the height of no fault divorce, Ms. Magazine, Women's Liberation Movement, Vietnam, and then of course, Roe versus Wade the next year. And, you know, when you think about it, um, I should have been a Democrat, a liberal feminist, and even a man hater. <laughs> Between my father and my two grandfathers, they had eight children in wedlock with their wives, and they had eight children out of wedlock with their non-wives. And my father left, went with the woman who had a son. But, you know, I met my father when I was 12. We had a loving, present relationship for 40 years. He was a wonderful pop-up to my grand, to his grandchildren, mm-hmm. my grand, Deb. Um, but I was raised in this house of four Italian Catholic women. South Jersey version of the Golden Girls raised me in the house. Even the dog inside Beauty was a girl. The dog outside Pudgy was a boy. I guess we wouldn't even let him in. And I like to <laughs> and, and so they raised me to be a conservative without ever having a political conversation. They raised me um, about faith, family, freedom. We had veterans and military in our houses. All the men in my life growing up, my cousins, my uncles, extended family, they were either priests or most of them belonged to the unions. They they wow. were carpenters, plumbers, iron workers in the private trades. So I definitely should have been a Democrat. But I think my mother, looking back, was the original forgotten woman that Donald Trump was talking about, forgotten women, forgotten men, and I like to say forgotten child, forgotten by her husband, forgotten by feminism, mm. forgotten by upward economic mobility, forgotten by society that really looked down upon single moms at the time. And and But that is the gift that keeps on giving, is being raised in a house right. of strong women who were not afraid to discuss issues of the day, but also allowed me to be a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a testimony, right? And it just shows us the power of our example, the power of the, the way we lead our family, the way that we pray in the morning or that we you know, teach uh, the principles to our to our children. That is a testimony because a lot of times you don't have to say to your child, you need to be conservative, you need to love God, you need to be a Republican. You just let your children watch and be exposed to everything in their life and they pick it up, right? They're quick learners, you know, and it's perfect, perfect example on what happened in your home. All right, so now 
let's go on to studying law, right? You, you went on, you got your law degree, but you chose not to practice. Um, and you kind of now want some different ways. Let's get a little bit of your history before we get into you as a mom. I appreciate that. I came to Washington, D.C. for college and law school at the age of 18, and I graduated college and sat for the bar exams. I passed it in four states. Why four states? Well, I wasn't sure where I'd end up. So I had D.C., Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, since I grew up in South Jersey, roughly halfway between Philadelphia and Atlantic City, Deb. But um, I clerked for a judge, which I loved. He was a Reagan appointee, although fairly liberal in his private life, I think, and um, in his personal views. But I loved working for a judge in the courthouse. It was half, half the year was criminal, a docket half the year was civil. But I felt the law was not for me. Having worked at a law firm one summer and accepted a full-time offer with them, I liked the people very much I worked with. I did not like the practice of law. I looked at it as very thankless, a lot of paper pushing, and a little rough on someone who wanted to be a wife and mother. I'll just be mm. very frank with you. 30 years ago, okay. when I graduated law school, there were very few female partners. And when I looked around, I write in my book, um, they they didn't necessarily have, most of them didn't have children, whether by choice or through circumstance, but it seemed almost an affirmative criterion at that time to have a job like that. So rather than be miserable about it and pretend I was going to be different, I went right back into polling, market research, which I had done uh, when I met Frank Luntz over at Oxford University, took an $8 an hour job with Ronald Reagan's pollster, Dick Worthlin, and uh, really learned the craft at the knees of the masters. And I went right back into polling, uh, worked for Frank Luntz, and then on June 1st, 1995, went out on my own, started the polling company, later bought a company called Woman Trend, and just was off to the races. 22 years of my own market research company. The gift of my career wow. was to go to all 50 states and territories and some foreign countries as well, and just listen to people. My gift was mm -hmm. learning to appreciate, honor, and respect, and then assimilate the essential wisdom of Americans. It's such a beautiful country filled with amazing people and they are making decisions every single day that more politicians, right, left and center should listen to. I credit my law degree for helping me to be a passionate but not an emotional businesswoman. I credit it for helping me think in a very logical, linear fashion, um, giving me some good negotiation skills and letting me know what to look for when I'm reviewing a contract here or there. Uh, so I, no regrets with the law degree. It's been a, a, a great objective criterion to have, credential to have in a city like Washington that reveres bald heads and gray heads, where seniority <laughs> is exactly that oftentimes. So um, right. you, were, you were right in the game here with all the good old boys. You were just, you were breaking the plexiglass ceiling, you say. Yeah. Well, I was banging my head against it plenty. And I know women <laughs> watching this uh, understand exactly what I'm talking about. If there are men and women just kind of, dismissing you or sidelining you, rolling their eyes about you. I think a, a seat at the big boys table for me was never freely given. It was never assumed. And I actually thank a little sarcastically, but I do thank <laughs> openly in my book, Deb, um, the, the guys who held me back and held me down because they didn't want me to do a lot of political polling work. They thought, you know, more for them, less for me, but it forced me to go out and get and get clients like Martha Stewart living on the media, her whole media company. It forced me to get American Express, New York Magazine, Ladies Home Journal, and a big client for years, Major League Baseball. And mm -hmm. so that actually helped me to not just understand what likely voters think, but what all Americans are thinking and doing. So I got to know Americans as consumers, as moms and dads, as aspiring moms and dads, right. as um, as 
job creators, job seekers, and job holders. And that really prepared me when the time came to be the first female campaign manager for a Republican presidential campaign and then a first successful one of either party. Um, I had been listening to Americans for decades. And I feel Donald Trump in many ways became the wish fulfillment for what people had told pollsters for years. I want somebody with a ton of experience who's never been in politics, has never held elective office. You're thinking, well, who can that be? It turns out it's a pre-verified, familiar, successful businessman and TV show um, host in The Apprentice who was a legitimate, incredible job creator and consensus builder who you think is going to make good on promises that he is making to the country because after all, in business, you have to go faster than you have to go in politics and governance. Right. Well, being across the country, knowing the landscape of country, knowing the homes, the families, the situations, the problems, the hopes, the dreams. I mean, obviously, with all of your experience, you were on just a, a, an incredible road. Um, God had, a, had, had determined you for greatness, I think, Kellyanne. And I know that you say yes and amen and thankful for that. So you met Donald Trump. But, but one of the things I want to bring out here is that in 2014, your polling, correct, on immigration, that was uncovered that Americans were ready for a policy for America first, right? You had kind of discovered um, what was the heartbeat of America in 2014, um, which really led to the MAGA movement. So tell us a little bit about that, what you saw, what you discovered, and what you shared with then Donald Trump. Thanks for sussing that out from the book. It's actually a very important piece of the book, Deb, that again, shows you that Americans tell you what's important to them. You don't Mm -hmm. tell them it's important to them. It's a big mistake, I believe, the Biden-Harris White House administration is making, pretending that inflation and rising prices and a lack of infant formula of all things are not really the problems that Americans and American moms are focused on, but it should be this, that, and the other. No, Americans tell you, and what I heard from Americans that had been different in previous research exercises of focus groups and scientific polling was that they had had enough. We had a lot of people very frustrated with losing jobs um, and, and losing um, losing some of their own rights and privileges to what sure. they thought was an unfair economic system. So what I did in that polling was I said, America is ready for an America first policy when it comes to immigration, meaning, hey, we have spent billions of dollars over decades helping mm-hmm. other countries protect their, board, its board, their borders and their sovereignty. It's high time we did it here and people agreed. Also, they felt it was incredibly unfair for um, the hospitals to be filled with folks getting wellness visits while they, with double insurance from two jobs in the household, are in the waiting room for hours on end for a kid's broken arm from a sporting event. Like They just got increasingly frustrated with what they saw all around them. And um, so I sussed out immigration as an economic issue. People were looking at people like Michael Bloomberg, I wrote in my report, were arrogantly and elitistly and Mitt Romney too, saying illegal immigrants are here to do the jobs Americans just don't want to do. Well, that's a pretty arrogant, elitist thing to say. Our our ancestors did the jobs they had to be able to come here to America, become American and bring their families here as well or raise their families here as well. So it was really just a combination of things. And it's Donald Trump who took issues that were mired in single digits at best in the polling deb, like immigration, like trade and manufacturing, and he elevated it to the top of the sure American consciousness and made good. So he made and, and, let, innovation let, a, a, a proxy for those economic woes. Let me ask you that question because you make a, a, such a good point. 
Is this something that Americans, I mean, they were saying in their heart, they were saying in their homes, had it just not been form formulated correctly? Had it just not been messaged? Um, because there was just such a yes and amen to it once we heard it. Well, it was, I think it was bubbling for a moment, but the Romney people missed it completely. And you'll remember after Romney lost the presidential race to President Obama, who was reelected in 2012, what did the RNC do? They had an autopsy and it was led by a few people who didn't even vote for Donald Trump to, to, you know, a couple of years after that. But their autopsy concluded that they needed um, a, a, a softer uh, approach to immigration. And by softer, they meant comprehensive immigration reform. They totally missed the fact that many Hispanics in this country, many African-Americans, many women, many people, many young people losing out jobs because they're not going to work for $8 an hour under the table. And so many people losing out jobs and opportunities had had enough. Doesn't mean they're anti-immigrant. It means they're pro themselves. It means they're pro America. Sure. They want to make sure that they're that equal opportunity to all includes them. So I think the autopsy was wrongheaded, of course, because it pretended that Mitt Romney lost Hispanic voters to President Obama because of immigration. Look at how many more Hispanics are now aligning with Donald Trump's Republican Party and conservative movement because of immigration, but also because of education and home ownership and small business ownership. And of course, COVID, meaning they watched their kids learning absolutely objectionable nonsense when those right. kids were home, stuck on computers, screen time is school time. Also, the Democratic Party has become very hostile to religion. They're, right. they're pro-abortion. They're anti-religious liberty. If you don't believe it, just watch them. Um, mm -hmm. see, watch what they do, not what they say. And so you see this alignment, uh, mm -hmm. economic and otherwise, of Hispanics towards, of all things, Donald Trump and the Republican Party, because at least he has the courage to say, listen, you want to come to this country? Come legally the way 34 million people have. We welcome right. you. But you're not going to just keep flooding over a sovereign border. Um, and then, of course, uh, we're always concerned about the drugs, which is which is more of a problem than ever. Fentanyl is the number one killer of 18 to 44 year olds right now. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, you know, people it's coming from China, coming out of Mexico. And, and Biden's really doing nothing about it. Wow. Oh, amazing. Here, let's now let's let's move here towards Donald Trump winning the Republican nomination. Um, so you're brought on the team and eventually made campaign manager, a first for the Republicans. Uh, did you see this coming? Is this something you were interested in? Uh, what was this like? Well, Deb, I again, I think the moms watching uh, will really relate. I had prepared for that my entire life, but never thought I'd get my shot. <laughs> And when Donald Trump offered me my shot, I still self-sabotaged. He asked me if I could, you know, if, if we were running out of time in the campaign. And he said, he, of course, always had confidence he could beat Hillary Clinton. But he asked me what I thought. I said, well, of course you can beat her. But the window's closing a little bit because this was August 12th, 2016. It was a Friday, just the two of us in his office. And I write about it at the beginning of my book. Here's the deal. Here's the cover. Please pick it up. You, you, yes. You love it. You're going to really enjoy this read. It's got a lot to do with being raised by strong women and trying to raise strong children as a woman and a woman in the White House. And it is an amazing book. Our moms Thank will you. absolutely love it. Yeah, I think they will. And uh, great fathers they give, too, for the men in your life. So anyhow, um, Donald Trump says, well, what do you think? And I very quickly, Deb, told him the three things I felt that we as a campaign need to do to beat Hillary. And he agreed with all three and agreed to empower and equip me to get all three done with, of course, his help in the lead as the candidate. And I was just amazed because I talked about Hillary's blue wall being real and that we should focus on those states, 10 or 11 states, 
that Obama Biden won with more than 50% of the vote twice, where Hillary was not over 50% in credible polling uh, in quite a while. And important point, where a Republican had been elected statewide as governor and or senator during the Obama-Biden years, meaning that that state is not allergic to Republican leadership. So that was Wisconsin, Iowa, North Carolina, Florida, Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania. It was even states we didn't win, like Nevada, Colorado, New Hampshire. He said, okay. And I mean, I had given this idea to the Romney people, the McCain people. They don't want to, you know, they didn't hear it. They They weren't interested. But last thing is, I also told him about Hillary's deficits. That mm-hmm. here's somebody who I had been a student of Hillary Clinton. Here's somebody who could not bank on or cash in on some of the great attributes that many female candidates can. We're seen as new faces, fresh blood. Um, mm-hmm. We're seen as incorruptible, more ethical. We're seen as consensus builder, peacemakers, genuinely interested in what the other side is saying and doing. Nobody thinks of Hillary as any of those. No. She was too much Hillary, not of Clinton. And finally, I told him. That if we can make the election more about Hillary and not just about him, even out the coverage, because at the time the media and Hillary wanted it to be Trump or not Trump, which is basically what it became in 2020 when I wasn't involved. But you had to be Trump versus Hillary, and then people would see him as this viable, um, exciting alternative who would be able to get the job done and shake up the system. He also allowed us to stop focusing on this ridiculous fiction of electability. Mm-hmm. and focus on electoral college. Electability is you can't win, you can win. It just sucks the lifeblood out of great conservative candidates who may be less, or, less known or underfunded. Electability is a fiction. It pretends I know if you can or can't win. Electoral college is how you do or don't win. And mm-hmm. he empowered me to do all that. But the only person I told about his offer that day was my husband, George, who was a okay. big Trump supporter at the time. And he said, Kellyanne, you're going to do this. He not only urged me, he almost insisted, Deb, and he said, I'm going to help out more with the kids and at home. He sort wow. of kind of did. Um, and and he he insisted I take my shot and 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 it allowed me to be Donald Trump's campaigner. And then, of course, George and I both accepted huge jobs, big jobs in the Trump administration. George was crying in his MAGA hat on election night. The pictures are in my book. He was all in for Trump-Pence, did what he could to help him get elected, and then changed his mind about Donald Trump, and I fear changed his mind about me. Wow. Changed his mind about me. What a heartbreaking comment. Well, moms, as you can tell, we're only getting started. And that's why we have turned this into a two-part series with Kellyanne Conway. Next week, Kellyanne will go into detail about what happened when her husband, George, changed his mind about Donald Trump and started aggressively tweeting about her boss, President Trump. We'll also talk about mom guilt and how Kellyanne balanced work and family while working as senior advisor to Donald Trump. She'll also talk about how those mama bear claws came out when a journalist targeted her 15-year-old daughter. Plus, she'll share her take on whether Donald Trump will run again in 2024. So, so much more is coming up with Kellyanne Conway next week in part two, so make sure you join us. Also, her book, Here's the Deal, is out I highly recommend it. Get yourself a copy. Extremely interesting. Lots of great advice in that book. All right, moms. Well, before we go, I want to just take care of a little bit of business. I'd like to remind you to visit our website at momsforamerica.us. Again, that's momsforamerica.us to check out all our amazing resources, our events, our programs. Love to have you check out our signature program, which is called the Cottage Meetings. 
These 12 lessons will inspire and educate you about America's amazing heritage so you can share the principles of liberty right there in your home and in your community. This program, along with our many other programs on our website, will help you impact your family in a very, very powerful way. So please check us out. We say this, right, from parental rights to public policy, we here at Moms for America have it all. Lastly, we want to invite you to sign up for our weekly newsletter. Love for you to join us there. We can help get you educated on issues that are relating to you as a mom, get you engaged with other moms from all across the country. We say this every week, Mama, and I totally believe this when I say it. Liberty begins at home and that you moms, you are the heartbeat of America. That's why this movement is so powerful, and that's why we're inviting you to join us. The moms are going to save our country. So like, subscribe, share this with your mama friends. Join us next week for Kellyanne Conway Part 2. It's going to be awesome. Thanks again for joining us, and let's keep changing our world one home at a time. <laughs>